Melori's is called by many a haunted jazz club. It is, but it is so much more. It is a crossroads of worlds, and more even than that. At the moment, the haunted jazz club held 51 survivors of Hurricane Katrina. It was all it could hold safely. Not that the club was small by any stretch of the imagination. Some said it continued on indefinitely, finally leading to the edges of purgatory, right into hell itself. Up front was deadly enough for the fifty-one survivors. Any more people would have to set up cots further in the back. Once they closed their eyes on those cots, they would never open them again. Milori's was that kind of place. Upstairs was even more dangerous. I slept there without a qualm. As I walked through the survivors to Captain McCord's table, I blinked back my tears. I lied just then. I had many qualms, for I slept, or tried to, in Victor's bedroom. His pillow smelled of him. I did not lay my head down on it often, so as to keep his scent fresh on it. I fingered the comb and brush that he hardly ever used on that eagle's nest of his. I pulled down the books that held his smell, read the passages he had bookmarked, trying to hear his voice reading the words on the page. From the wall mirror, Elu would chide me for those actions. Elu was the blood brother of Captain McCord. He was trapped in a strange limbo between worlds. He could only see the dimension of his birth through mirrors, hence Victor called where the Apache lived, the mirror world. But despite Elu's scoldings, his heart was not in his words. He was grieving Victor's death as well. But his stoic Apache nature would not let me see him grieve openly. So I grieved for the two of us. It was two weeks since Captain McCord had snatched me from 1834 New Orleans, along with that traitor Becca and her sister Trish. Trish surprised me. She shot Becca in the shoulder with a crossbow for having clubbed me from behind when Victor needed me that last time. I hated Captain McCord for robbing me of the chance to find some way to transport myself to Victor's side. But McCord had been so busy with the aftermath of Katrina, he had no time to argue with me. And truthfully, I found myself swamped with the needs of the hopeless survivors. So many had lost loved ones, as I had lost my Victor. I would hug grieving mothers, children, and wives. We would weep together, each for our own loss, finding some solace in the embrace of the other. I helped feed the hungry. Those who tried to prey on those hurting would feed my own hunger. I seldom went long without the taste of human flesh. Addicts, unable to obtain their illicit drugs, roamed the night streets like rabid wolves. Looters, rapists, thrill-killers prowled the night in search of prey. The unlucky found themselves prey for me. I saw sad children staring off into the emptiness of their bruised lives and thought of what jests Victor would spin to make them laugh again. I tried, often to no avail, but I tried. 
Those few times I succeeded made my own loss easier to bear for those precious seconds. Now, after two weeks, McCord had called for me to sit with him at his table. Over those two turbulent weeks, I had found the heart to forgive him. I just did not have the heart to go on. I would ask him to kill me, to grant me the release of death that only he could give a ghoul such as me. An elderly woman of color snatched my arm as I passed her wheelchair. Her little dog tufts growled low at me. Intelligent, brave canine. I smiled at him for trying to defend his mistress from the monster that I truly was. Hush, Turfs. Miss Alice ain't gonna hurt your Maudy. She only eats those sons of bitches that hurt others. Maudy winked up at me.